So today we are going to continue the My Blessed Life um, sermon series. We are going to uh, uh, finish up today. It's been an amazing journey. Has anybody been blessed so far by the My Blessed Life sermon series? Can we make some noise? Amazing. Well, before we get started, I just want to say um, everybody that knows me knows I love the game of basketball, right? Like I love basketball. Any basketball junkies in here? Anybody? I got another hand or two. We're going to have to pray, church. Um, I don't know if I can do this, right? No, I'm just joking. But I love basketball. But now that the season's over, all we're really left with right now is to like look and see which free agents are going to sign which contracts. And these contracts are ridiculous. Y'all just bear with me. I love basketball. Bear with me for just a second. These contracts are nuts, okay? Like um, uh, Kyrie Irving is uh, believed to sign today um, with the, the uh, Brooklyn Nets for $140 million whole dollars. Can we stop and pause? A hundred and if a one hundred and forty million whole dollars, um, Kimball Walker is due to sign a hundred and forty-one million dollar contract. And before today is over, and these aren't even the top tier players. So before today is over, um, there are going to be multiple two over two hundred million dollar contracts signed today. Can somebody say, "My God"? right? Like $200 million signed today. Like that's actually going to happen probably uh, before we go to bed tonight. Um, but look, so, so, you know, the average household income in America is about 40, I mean, I'm sorry, $56,000, right? $56,000. And so America's doing, I mean, we're, we're pretty good. We're making pretty pretty uh, modest, you know, money per, per, per household, um, you know, but I will say America's got a spending problem. America has a huge spending problem, okay? Like the, the national household debt in America is over $13 trillion. Like I thought like trillion, like this big astronomical number, like I thought that was like a gazillion Dollars, like somewhere like impossible to get to, but 13 trillion dollars of debt in America. How many of y'all would say that America has a huge spending problem? 13 trillion dollars, like that is ridiculous, right? Um, but but how do how do we get here? Well, statistics say that the average American could not afford to pay 400 dollars in the event of an emergency without going into debt. 400 bucks. So if the car goes out or you need a new starter or you need a new transmission or if the dryer goes out or if anything unexpected happens, the average American could not pay $400 without going into debt. Um, statistics also show that about 90% of Americans do not have a monthly budget. 90% of Americans don't operate on a monthly budget. And so what's the point of getting a bigger bag if we can't secure it? Like, what's, what's the point? Like, we all want to raise. Like, we'll leave a good job because they didn't want to give me a raise. 
But if we're not doing our part to secure the bag, why get a bigger one? So we want to today, we want to go through um, and teach some biblical principles about how to steward our finances. We've learned in weeks past that um, Jesus is really okay with talking about money. He's so okay with it that there's about 2,000 scriptures in the Bible that deal with money. Like, that's a whole lot of scripture, right? Um, so Jesus is not shy about talking about money, and I want to make sure that we focus in on today how to steward wisely what God has given us. So um, when, when we don't tell our money, and you're going to want to write this down, it's not going to pop up in my notes, but you're really going to want to get this. Um, when we don't tell our money where to go, it tells us how far we, we can go. When we don't tell our money where to go, then our money will then tell us how far we can go. So it's very important that every dollar that we receive, we give it an assignment. Every dollar that we receive should be assigned to something. And today, we're going to break those things down. Let's go to Psalm chapter 25, verses 12 and 13. Psalm chapter... 25 verses 12 and 13. It says, Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose, and they will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. So there is a process to prosperity. And I know there's a lot of misconceptions with the word prosperity I know that the word prosperity in churches have been misappropriated in a lot of different regards, that, that if you sow your seed or if you give tithes or if I've even been in church experiences where people throw money on the stage and the pastor will say, hey, you know, it's a $100 line here, a $1,000 line here, a $2,000 line here, and if you give by this time next week, come on, somebody. Anybody ever heard any messages like that before? Well, listen, I'm here to let you know that, like, your pathway to prosperity isn't you just giving and giving and giving. You've got to get some principles in order to really understand true biblical prosperity. Can the church say amen to that real quick? Like, listen, um, how many of you all know people, um, or, or maybe you've experienced it yourselves, where you tithe and you tithe and you tithe, or you give and you give and you give, and you like, where's the increase? Anybody been there before? Anybody know anybody like that? Well, today we're going to unpack um, the, the process to prosperity. So, and I want to lift, lift out three ideas from this text that I just read. Um, so point number one um, is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not a curse word. It's not a dirty phrase. It's actually one of the healthiest outlooks we can have when it comes to God. We need to have, we need to be a church where we fear God or, or we have a deep respect for God. The fear of the Lord is a deep respect for God. And we need to be a church that has a deep respect for God. And we need to respect God deeply when it comes to our finances. 
So when you respect God, you'll understand and you'll know that my first 10% of my earnings, it goes to the house of the Lord. There's no negotiating about it. I fear God. I honor God. I know that this is what I am called to do, that it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. And my fear for him or my respect for him will say, what I have is yours. Can I get an amen on that, church? So we've got to be a church where, where we, we have a, the, fear for the fear of God or we have the fear of the Lord in operation in our lives. And number two, it says instruct them in the ways they should choose. Instruct them in the ways that they should choose. Now when we allow God to instruct us, when we allow him to instruct the way that we should go and the financial decisions that we'll make, this is going to lead to prosperity. We, we have a lot of different, uh, um, you know, thoughts about uh, I, I should be able to govern my own life. I should be able to make my own cause and my own decisions. Well, how many of you all have gotten outside of the will of God before trying to manage your own life and you've ended up in some trouble? I have been there. Y'all can sit there like y'all ain't never been there before if you want to. Y'all not going to judge me. I'm going to judge you today, Right? How about it? We've all been there. I know, like Whether you admit it or not, we have tried to, to, to go our own way and lead our own lives, and I know how that, where that pathway uh, uh, ends. I know where it ends up, and it ends us in a spot or in a situation where we end up having to pray one of those prayers, God, if you'll get me out of this one. But you would have never been in that one if you would have just been able to say, well, you know what, God, guide my choice. Guide my choice, God. Guide my choice. And so, you know, God will show you which financial decision you should make. He'll show you which house to invest in. He'll show you what, what rental property you should, you should uh, look into. He'll show you what's the best option for uh, schooling. He'll show you how to attack your student loans. Like, he will show you. He'll make it crystal clear for you. But we've got to allow him to guide our choice. And when we do, when we follow this process, then point number three happens. They will spend their days in prosperity. They will spend their days in prosperity. I love the Bible. The Bible, it's not a whole lot of shades of gray in the Bible. The Bible will tell you specifically, if you do these two things, then the third thing will happen for you. And I love the Bible, like I'm a very practical thinker. Any practical thinkers in the building right now? Like give me some steps, right? Like give me some points. Give me some points. Give me some how-tos. And God lays it all out for us. So, um, so prosperity, here it is. So prosperity means to be successful or fortunate. It means to be successful or fortunate. Especially in a financial respect. And it also means to thrive and to flourish. Now, I'm going to look, I, I know that there's been, you know, uh, uh, this word prosperity has a, a bad stigma around it. But if we look at the word prosperity, I mean, I'm going to just be honest. I want to be prosperous. Like, like I, I don't know about y'all, but like if God is saying, if you follow my system, son, you'll be prosperous. I don't know about you, but I want to be prosperous. Can we give God a shout of praise? Like if you desire 
to be prosperous in a healthy way, what, the, what the, God, the God of the Bible promises. I want every promise that God has for me. I don't want to just say, oh, you know, the, so, this, this particular like, group of Christians took advantage of this word. I don't want anything of it. I'm like, listen, if God has it for me, I want it. Amen? I, wa- I want it. I want to be prosperous. And we're going to talk about stewarding it well. And just like how God told Abraham, God is saying the same thing to us. He's saying that I will bless you, but, but then he said so that you can be a blessing. You can't bless somebody if you're not blessed. You can't feed the hungry if, if you're struggling to make ends meet, right? Like you can't, you can't provide shelter for those who don't have shelter if you're struggling to pay the utilities every single month. God doesn't want you living paycheck to paycheck. He wants you to live in abundance so that your overflow can spill over and help other people. Amen? So let's continue in in this. So um, if we're going to experience financial prosperity, we have to learn delayed gratification. Come on, church. If we are going to experience financial prosperity, we have to learn delayed gratification. I did not cuss at y'all. Why y'all looking at me like that? I did not cuss at y'all. I promise, like, God has delivered me from cussing a while ago. I didn't cuss at y'all. I actually said a really healthy and helpful word for everybody in the building today. Delayed gratification is the key to prosperity. Well, pastor, I thought, like, if I was just going to drop, like, some cash in an offering bucket, God was just going to hook me up. No, no, no. Delayed gratification is what hooks you up. Delayed gratification is what is going to make you or cause you to prosper. So God's financial system contradicts the world's financial system. It's, it's at complete odds of each other. Here's the world's financial uh, uh, system. It's called OPM, other people's money. The world teaches us, like it's a whole system. Borrow as much as you can borrow so that you can consume as much as you can consume. Hence, this is why the American household debt is $13 trillion. Now, we're going to talk about some, some acceptable debts, but, but we're going to talk about some, like, debts that, like, we should never have associated to our name, ever. And this $13 trillion in debt, it is debt that we should never have associated to our name. But the world system keeps us wanting, doesn't it? It tells us you won't be complete until you get some red bottoms. Like, like, you won't be complete until you hold in a Louis bag, or you won't be complete until you drive this car, or until you live in this house. But, but here's what God's system says. God's system is, is actually different. It, it's O-N-M, or O-M-N. It's O, no man, nothing. The world says 
The world says acquire. The world says other people's money. Borrow, 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 borrow. You, you want to do this? Borrow for it. You, wanna, you want this from the store? It doesn't matter what your account looks like. Borrow, borrow, borrow. Listen, God's system is completely different. God says this, owe no man nothing but love. Don't owe anyone anything but love. Oh, no, man. That's what the Bible system is. That's what God's system is. And so let's look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. It says, the rich rules over the poor. And the borrower is servant to the lender. Let's look at the message translation of that same verse. It says, poor people are slaves of the rich. Come on, y'all. We see this every day, don't we? It says, borrow money and you are the lender's slave. So our mentality of debt needs to be slavery. Come on, church. Our, our, our mentality of debt needs to be, hold on, you trying to put shackles on me. Because every single time we borrow, every single time, uh, every single time we get into debt, what are we doing? We are subjecting ourselves to an interest rate. We are subjecting ourselves to a payment that we need to make every single month. And what is it doing? It's eating away at the increase that God is trying to get to us. Y'all need to level up because, like, I'm preaching way up here and y'all amens is way down there. Y'all better level up today. So look, so each time you borrow from a bank or from a creditor, you are becoming a slave. You're becoming a slave to an interest rate. You're becoming a slave to a payment schedule. And you can't be financially free if you're subjected to creditors. You can't be you can't you cannot live in financial freedom if you have debts. It's impossible. So now, when is debt acceptable? Let's talk about that for a little bit. When is debt acceptable? And I, I'm not saying it's the best option, but when is it acceptable? Well, let's take a look at it. Number one, purchasing a house. In most cases. It, why, is it, why is it acceptable? Because it allows you shelter while you're earning equity, hopefully, on the property that you've purchased. So it's okay, because you're earning equity. If you're earning equity, that means that eventually you'll be able to come out favorably in that property, hopefully. So this is why we need to allow God to, to help us to choose the right financial option, right? Because I've been, down, I've been upside down on a home before, and it is not fun. I won't ask y'all to raise y'all hands if you can relate, but look, I bought a condo in Florida during, uh, right before the recession. Right, a condo, right before the recession. So not only did, was I upside down, but people were foreclosing on the condos, and then the occupancy dropped. So that means that the association fees went up. 
So I am paying almost the same amount of money for my mortgage payment as I did my association fee, monthly. Right? When I tell y'all, church, that I want you guys to allow God to help you to choose the right financial decision, it is best to honor God first than to say, God, can you get me out of this mess? Because I ain't make a dime on that property. Matter of fact, when I sold it, I owed $1,000. But I was so thankful that it was just $1,000. That's how upside down I was. So church, honor God. Allow him to point you in the right direction. Because if I had, he would have been like, hey, son, you probably want to like hold tight on purchasing right now because next year a recession is going to hit and you're going to lose all your value in that, in that property. This is the God that we serve. He will tell us. He will show us. But it's okay to purchase a home. Just make sure that you are allowing God to help you and steer you in the right direction with that purchase. The second thing that is acceptable debt. It's, again, it's not the best solution, but it's acceptable. Purchasing a car. Here's why. Financing a car or financing a vehicle is acceptable debt because it allows you to com- com- commute to work, to earn wages, right? So you want a reliable car? You want to make sure that you can get from point A to point B? You want to make sure that um, with that purchase, you want to make sure that it is an intelligent purchase, right? So that you don't end up upside down in the car. If you get upside down in a car, good luck. Because as soon as you drive off of that lot, it depreciates in value. Just like that. This is the only debt. Again, it's not the best option, but we should never invest or never create debt with depreciating assets and a car is depreciating but you're adding value to your life because you can get to point a to point b so but here's the best scenario though the best scenario would be to buy a car cash to avoid paying interest rates but if you can't do that financing is okay but here's what we need to know if you need to finance a car please don't allow your payments to be more than 20% of what you make in a month. If you need to purchase a vehicle, your vehicle should never exceed 20% of what you make in a month. This will, will allow you to be able to structure your budget in a way where you can live within your means and even beneath it. This is, the, this is a, a, a huge key to being able to live a prosperous life. Now, when it comes to your mortgage payment, let's talk about that, or your rent. Your rent should not exceed 30% of what you bring in in a month. Your rent should either be 30% or below what you make in a month. Come on, y'all. Like, I, like so we... Um, we rec- my wife and I recently moved um, to avoid a lot of the traffic. So we were on the we were um, in Grand Prairie before, and um, a package was delivered to the house that we used to live at. We knew it was there, 
They didn't want to tell us it was there, but we knew it. Me being from Detroit, I pulled up, right? Uh, ended up being cool, though. Um, but I, I, I come, and, and um, it was, a, it was a, a young lady that, that came to the door. I'm like, hey, you know, I've, I've got a package here. I know it's here, blah, blah, blah. I go through my spill. And um, um, they're like, yeah, come on in. Come on in. So I came in, and they had been there for at least like two, maybe three weeks. And when I tell y'all, like, it was no furniture in the house. Like, like they had like like a picnic table, like like folding tables and folding chairs, and things of that sort. And it just kind of got me thinking. I'm like, hopefully they're still just waiting on their pieces to get there. Like maybe they like did furniture shopping and stuff like that. But how many times do we get into a house or we get into an apartment, but we can't even afford to furnish it? So, but when, when we structure our budget in a way where you're only paying 30% for your rent payment or your mortgage payment than what you earn in a month's time, how many of y'all know you can afford to actually furnish your place? So, like, God isn't interested in us looking like we have money. He'd actually want us to have money. That's good. Y'all might want to tweet a friend. Um, you might want to send that out. Hashtag it. Um, that was good. Hashtag fire. Um, so let's look at unacceptable debt. Or I'm sorry, I'm, I'm skipping one, one acceptable debt. Another accept, acceptable debt is student loans. I heard a couple groans. <laughs> I heard a couple groans. Look, we're going to talk about ways to attack that debt. Today, we're going to talk about, anybody want to attack that debt? Like, is anybody tired of being slave to, like, student loans? Come on, can I get an amen, somebody? We're going to talk about attacking that debt as well, too, today. But let's look at unacceptable debt. Furnishing a house. Furnishing a house, getting a mattress. This is all unacceptable debt. But, but pastor, furniture is expensive. Yeah, I know, it is. That's why you don't want to attach an interest rate to that already expensive price tag. You want to actually get in a place where you can pay cash for everything. If you cannot pay cash for it, that means you cannot afford it. I'm getting zero amens, and I'm like, I'm preaching my guts out right now. Like, this is so good, y'all. I'm going I'm to I'm shout myself down in a second. All right, another unacceptable debt, clothes. Like, going to North Park Mall, like, that is unacceptable debt. Like, if we don't have the money to pay for the outfit, we don't need that outfit. We need to cut it out. Like, it doesn't need to be in our wardrobe. It doesn't need to be in our closet. We don't need the red bottoms. We don't need the purse. Like, we don't need the sew-in. Like, all of this is unacceptable <laughs> debt. Ladies, I'm going to get off of y'all. I promise I am. I promise. I promise I am. Um, appliances, unacceptable debt. But, but pastor, like, I need, a, I need a washer machine. Like, I need a dryer. I, I need, a, I, I need a, a refrigerator. Look, you better go on next door. Um, uh, Craigslist, make sure you got a big dude with you, right? Like, because people be creepy on that Craigslist, bro. Like, you better 
you better come with it. Like, make sure you got that, you can pop the trunk if you need to. Because um, Craigslist be crazy. Like, I'm just going to say it, it is. And um, we're actually doing some shopping um, for uh, next door. We're actually trying to sell um, a refrigerator. Like, from where we used to live, we have no need for where we just moved. So we've been trying to, and there's so many creepy dudes on there. So y'all got to be careful. My wife sets up all the sales. Like, she's amazing at it. But there's so many creeps, right? And as soon as she says, yeah, my husband will, you know, will meet up with you, they quit communication. I'm like, I just, I want to stump you right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what, like really? Um, but you got to be careful with it. But I'm just saying, shop smart. Look, um, traveling is an unacceptable debt. Pastor, you're not going to take my trip away from me to the Bahamas. Like, I deserve this. Look. Just because you deserve it doesn't mean that it's time for it yet. Bars. That was fire again. I don't know if y'all are getting this. Um, but just because you deserve something doesn't mean that it's time for it yet. Like, we should not go in debt for, like, like going on a vacation. Your vacation should refuel you, not, like, enslave you. Right? Like, it should, you should get back from vacation like, oh, it's amazing. Not, like dreading the credit card bill that's going to come in the mail 30 days after your vacation, right? So these are all unacceptable debt. Look, co-signing. Listen, do not ever in your life co-sign for a cousin who need a co-sign. It's a reason why they need a co-sign. If, if, listen, like all you're basically saying is, yeah, um, I bring on another bill because I know your credit is shot. It's a reason why their credit is shot. Don't put your good credit on somebody's bad credit. Let them learn because they'll, they'll never get it. If somebody's always their get out of jail card or they're, they're like, you know, like their ticket out of trouble, they'll never learn how to stay out of trouble themselves. I am preaching so good right now. Jesus. So look, so how do we get our money right? I want to give you some practical steps. How do we get all of this right? How do we, how do we, what's some practical ways that I can put this into practice? Number one, learn how to live on 80% of your income. Learn how to live on 80% of your income. 80%. So let me give you a budget breakdown. How do we do that? How do we make this happen? Budget breakdown. So our first 10%, it's going to go to the kingdom of God, without question. Like, the first 10 belongs to God. Again, I'd rather have a blessed 90% than a cursed 100%. Is anybody with me on that, church? So off top, the first 10 goes to God automatically. So the second 10%, that's going to you. If you're not paying yourself, you're missing a whole point. So 10% of your monthly income should go straight to your bank account. If you cannot save 10%, it's no shade. We're going to work through this together. But this 10%, it is a must for you so that you can get in a position to build wealth. Um, if you're not there yet, that just means that you need to downsize some things. 
again, church, I am not cussing at you. Like, downsizing is a healthy thing. Like, it really is. And, um, and that doesn't mean that, like, you failed at something. Look, uh, delayed doesn't mean denied. Okay? Delayed does not mean denied. So when it comes to your dream car, your dream house, or your dream apartment, listen, okay, that's all well and good. But is it seasoned for it yet? All right. So, um, so this may change the type of car we drive, apartment we live in, restaurants we dine at, the types of vacations that we can go on. Living on 80% of your income is the key to you living the blessed life. It is such a huge key to living a blessed life. Number two, learn to live with margin. Learn to live with margin. Margin. Again, I'm not cussing at y'all, um, but let me break this down. So I know we all, need, we all want the nice house. We want the nice car. We want the nice outfits. We want to keep our nails done, like all this stuff, right? Um, but the key to building wealth is living beneath your means. Let's look at Luke chapter 14, verse 28. So it says, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction on a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? So before you click Add to cart on Amazon. Right? Before you, before you uh, click book on Travelocity, before you go to the mall, before you buy the new house, or before you go to the new uh, luxury uh, apartment that has all the amenities. I'm talking about all of them. They got all of them, y'all. Like, these apartments are amazing. Before you sign on the dotted line, you need to count the cost to see if you can afford life after your purchase. Yeah, before you make financial choices or decisions, you need to make sure that you have counted up the cost to make sure that you can live after your purchase. But look, um, living with margin means that we cannot live paycheck to paycheck. Living paycheck to paycheck, all this means, all paycheck to paycheck means is that you can afford life as it is right now without any unexpected things happening. There's a reason why the average American cannot pay $400 or more when it comes to emergencies without going into debt because we're living paycheck to paycheck. Every single week we're living paycheck to paycheck, oh, like, is that, uh, I, I crank up the car like the engine seems weird. Like, Lord, I need you to bless this engine right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, Lord, you know my, how my bank account is set up right now, and I need you to bless it, God. Now, now, you can get away with the grace for a season, but you can't just keep living the way that you've been living and thinking that God is going to continue to bless some mess. Right? We got to live in margin. We have to create margin in our lives. So living off of 80% of your income creates the margin you need in life for unexpected hiccups. Come on, life 
has a bunch of twists and turns and ups and downs in it, right? Like, it, it, everything is not going to just go right. You're like, oh, if everything go right, I can afford this house. If, if, if I just skipped out on two meals from McDonald's, I think I can make it work. Come on, y'all. Like, I know that this has been our mindset and this has been our philosophy, but God desires us to live beneath our means. He wants us to live beneath our means. He wants us to count up the cost. So no financial margin, again, um, where we're living paycheck to paycheck, it just means that we can afford our current lifestyle. But what happens when the unexpected medical bill comes? Like, like what happens if the car goes out? What happens if the washer and the dryer goes out? What happens if homeowners, if uh, there's a hailstorm? We are in Dallas. And the insurance isn't going to cover the new roof. And you know they be playing. Like what happens if, you know, there's a, another hailstorm and your car gets completely like, you're just going to ride around. I see cars all the time. And they got like golf ball sized dents all on the roof and all on their hood and all on their trunk. We all seen it, right? We've all seen it. Well, I'll tell you what happened. Either they couldn't pay that deductible or their, their insurance company couldn't cover it. And I'm not trying to poke fun at anyone. But what I am trying to say is we have a responsibility to live wisely with our money. So we've got we've to live with margin. Let's look at number three. Learn to live with contentment. This is a huge one. Learn to live with contentment. Now, I'll give you the Brandon Davis uh, definition of contentment. It's not much. I'm a real simple dude. I give real simple definitions. Y'all ready for it? I mean, you might want to get your pen and pad. Like, it might take you a while to get this down. Y'all ready? To be good with what you have. <laughs> to be good with what you have. Be good with your shoes. Be good with your, your condo. Be good with your apartment. Be good with your townhome. Like, be good with your car. But, but, but Pastor, like, it's dated. Like, like it's oxidation's happening with the paint. Like, it doesn't shine anymore. They just, they just dropped the new, like, this and that. Like, yeah, yeah, it's cool, but be good with what you have. Be good with what you have. Like, that is contentment. Be good with what you have. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 says it this way. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. Paul was talking about a time where he didn't have much, and he had a whole lot. And he's like, whether I had a, a whole lot or I didn't have anything at all, I learned the secret to life, and that is being content with what I have. Because here's the deal. When you get what, when you, get what you think you need, something new comes out. And our culture is fixated on telling us what we need. That as soon as something new comes out, you're not complete until you have it. And God is saying, hey, hang on a second. I need you to live like me. I need you to be content with what I've already given you. I need you to be content with what I already gave you. 
So let's continue. Let's look at number four. Learn to live on a budget. Learn to live on a budget. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 20 says, There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spins it up. So the difference between the wise and the foolish, it's not earnings, it's savings. I'm going to say that again for you guys. Like the difference between the wise and the foolish, it's not earnings, it's savings. The wise man puts some aside. The foolish man spends it all up. So every time we get paid, how do you handle your money? How do you handle your pay? Do you tell every dollar where to go, or does every dollar tell you where you need to go? We're talking about slavery. When we don't understand the principles of finances, we end up becoming the slave of, of money or, or debtors or lenders. So let's look, at, let's look at some budgeting principles here. I want to give you all, I want to give you six steps or six things to do when it comes to your finances. And we'll start at the very top. Number one, at all costs, save $1,000 for emergencies. At all costs, save $1,000 for emergencies. Once you have said, look, look, this, is, this may require discipline, but this usually takes the average working person about two, maybe three months to do, if not sooner. It can be done. How, pastor? Say no to Starbucks. Say no to fast food. Say no to Chipotle. Say no to DoorDash. Say, she, somebody, oh, my heart. Say no, say no to all of these different things. Why? So that you can set aside. That means that grocery shopping needs to happen. Come on, saints, we got a kitchen. Use it. Right? Meal prep. Come on, church, let's get free. Anybody want freedom? Let's remember why we're doing this, right? We want to be free, right? We want to owe no man nothing but love, right? So look, we have to have discipline. Budgeting requires discipline. Whatever you do with all costs, you might need to sell some stuff to get your $1,000 in the bank. At all costs, get $1,000 in the bank. Look, this do not trust the world's economy. We have all seen it in our, life, our lifetimes that we cannot trust this economy for anything that's ours because it will, just like it's up and it's booming now, it can be on the floor tomorrow. We have to do what's necessary to make sure that we're not going to become a slave to anyone. So what we're needing to do, we need to get $1,000 into the bank account ASAP. And when you have it, don't touch it. Matter of fact, make sure that this account isn't attached to your checking account at all. You might need to go do a, get a, a credit union um, and just keep it there. 
Well, you don't have access to this $1,000 at all because I'm looking at some of y'all in y'all faces right now. Ooh, if I had $1,000, Pastor, you don't know. You don't know, Pastor. Well, I'm letting you all know right now you're going to be in trouble with me. No, I'm joking. But make sure that you put this money aside somewhere where you don't have access to it because this is specifically for emergencies and emergencies only. This will save so many people from not going into debt. Number two. Y'all ready for number two? Can y'all take some more? Number two. Um, If you all are in debt, this is only applicable for anybody who has debts. So number two, attack debt from smallest to largest. Attack debt from smallest to largest. So let's say if you have a $100 credit card bill right now, right? And look, words to the wise, don't ever just pay the minimum balance. You'll never get out of that fire, like ever. You will be trapped forever. So let's say if you have a credit card payment of $100, let's say if you have, you know, another credit card payment for $500, and then let's say if you have student loans worth $5,000, Well, what you want to do is you want to put all of your energy on getting the $100 paid off quickly. Get it paid off. And then once you get that paid off, roll that payment over into your larger payment, the $500. And then once you have attacked the $500 debt, then you want to roll all of that over and put so much focus in on, I mean, every dollar. At this point, you're not even putting money into savings. Everything is going to aggressively attack your debt. You got the $1,000 already for emergencies. Let's attack the debt, right? So from smallest to greatest, kill the debt. Somebody need to say, debt you going to learn today. You going to learn today, right? All right, so so after we attack the debt, then this is what we want to do. We want to save one month's worth of expenses, then three then six. After you've killed debt, now what you want to focus in on, you've got the $1,000, you've killed your debt, now what you want to focus in on is saving one month's worth of expenses. And then once you've saved up one month's worth of expenses, then work to three months. And then once you have three months, get six months worth of expenses. What is this going to do for you? This is specifically for if you are in transition, if they lay you off of your job, if you fall on some hardship and you're in between employment for whatever reason, you will be able to make sure that life can continue to go on the quality of life that you're used to living. You can continue to live it until you get your new job. A lot of people get in trouble with this. Life happens, right? And life comes hard and it comes fast, doesn't it? But we want to be prepared. We want to be wise stewards over what God has given us. Now, once you have saved six months, put it in another account. Do not touch it. Why? Because you want to make sure that on a rainy, not day, the $1,000 is your rainy day. 
the, the six months worth of expenses is for your rainy life. Like when you go through a rainy season where it's just drought, you want to make sure that that is there so that you can continue to live a style life that you can be pleased with. Come on, somebody. Like if you have kids, the last thing you want is for your kids to be able to tell that things are in trouble. Come on, man. Come on, uh, my men who are married or planning to be married, the last thing you want is for your beautiful bride to stress about finances. Make sure that your household is set. I didn't get no amens, but it's cool. Good job, pastor. All right. So now once you've done this, number four is don't touch it. We already been through that. Don't touch it. Number five, after you have got your $1,000, you've paid your debts, you have your six months, you haven't touched it, now what we need to focus in on are investments. Investments. This is what's going to cause you to actually build wealth. This is what I like to call you get in an area of compound interest where you don't pay interest, but you receive interest. Come on, this is, this is, this is where you set up generational blessing. The word of God tells us to be a blessing to our children's children. Well, you do this through investment. Most of us, we're not, we not getting a bag that's over $200 million, most of us. If you are, come talk to me. Um, I just want to be your friend after service. Um, but most of us aren't making that kind of cash. So, like, you know, like Steph Curry can set up his, his, his kids, right? His kids, kids, his kids, kids, kids. He can get them all set. No need for them to even, like, worry about anything in life at all. But the rest of us, we have to make sure that we deal wisely with what God gives us. And when you invest, this is now it's time for your 401k plan. It's time for your 403b, your Roth IRAs. It is time for your CD. Uh, start researching your stocks. It is time for you to be able to build some compound wealth. This is where your money actually begins to work for you. And if I could just say the average American has been left in the dark when it comes to this. When it comes to finances, period. Well, and the word of God says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Well, today, it's not good enough for us to just, like, know it. We've got to start applying it to our lives. Right? And now, number six. Now you're ready to either buy a home cash or work towards buying a home cash, a down payment on a home, your child's college fund. Come on, these big purchases, why not pay for it cash? Come on, church, again, we owe no man nothing but love. So when we do this, if we can be, all that, all that we're talking about, I'm not saying that, like, you have to make a certain amount of money. All I'm saying is manage what you have well, and God will bless you for it. You see, there's principles, yes, tithing yes giving offering but how about being a wise steward over what God gives you it's so important right church 
And I just want to leave you with this scripture here. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. It says, good people leave an inheritance to their, ch- their grandchildren, but sinners' wealth passes to the godly. I wonder, and this is an interesting thing because God kind of talks about two things in this scripture. First, he starts talking about putting aside and, and blessing your grandchildren financially. But then he goes and he starts talking about that the wealth of sinners are laid up for godly people. Listen, if you learn how to manage your money, you'll have the whole world waiting to pass wealth to you. You know that like, like you wonder why like people who have just keep on having more? It's because they've learned this principle. Set aside for your family. Don't live for today. Live for your grandkids. I know it can be hard if you're not even married yet, but I'm here to let you know that you have legacy written all over you. And if you desire, if you desire to leave a legacy, God will be able to do it, but it takes discipline. It takes discipline. And we have to be people of discipline. We have to be people that say, you know, I'm going to honor God with everything that he has given me. And I'm going to make sure that I'm bring, not only bringing the tithe and bringing my offering, but I'm, I'm allowing God to help me steward what he has given me. And when we do church, your money or your lack of money won't ever be able to tell you what you can and you can't do. Man, if that's not freedom, some of y'all have been sitting on a business, but you've been freaking out because you know that you couldn't dare get a loan from a bank. You're not supposed to. God knows how to finance you. But he wants to make sure that you know how to steward the finances. People say, oh, like, why are you talking about prosperity in church? Or why are you talking about money in church? Well, it's easy. Without money, who will ever hear the gospel? It took money. It ain't just take faith and prayers. Praise God for faith and prayers. But all this took money. It, it took money to move my family here to Dallas. Like, like, like it took money to, to buy sound equipment, a big old screen behind us. It took money to make sure that you know, all of our legal was set up so that we can be a charitable, a charitable a, 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 a tax exempt and all of these different things. It takes money. Everything takes money. And I, I'm, I'm like, I don't mean to be insulting, but like, man, you, you have got to just turn your brain. People need to turn their brains on, right? Like there isn't anything that happens in this world without money. And what better people than to have money than followers of Jesus. Come on, church. God wants you blessed. God wants you prosperous. And he wants you to be able to take care of all the money that he has given you in a wise way. Amen?